Welcome to the Love Letters to Poe podcast. I'm Sarah Krokel-Smith, publisher and editor-in-chief, bringing you wonder and terror, romance and horror in this gothic fiction magazine. Each week, I'll be sharing a new gothic story or poem from the pages of Love Letters to Poe. You can find the original stories and poems, author interviews, your free copy of the magazine's inaugural issue, and much more at loveletterstopoe.com. Today's Gothic story is titled The Inheritance Thread by author Haley Piper, read by Jay. This story can be found in Volume 1, Issue 2 of Love Letters to Poe. I hope you enjoy this haunting tale. The Inheritance Thread, written by Haley Piper, read by Jay. Father never told me why he made mother sew her lips shut. He did it before I was born, and I had to find out his reasons for myself. Of course I asked him. I had endless questions, as if I spoke double to make up for mother's forced silence. Often I bombarded him as he boarded a rented coach from town to take him away on business. He would smile and say things like, Dear Priscilla, your mother is a banshee. She'll wail across the moors and frighten poor townsfolk to death if we unseal her lips. But father, there are no moors here. She'll find some. He'd then shut the coach door and the coachman and his horses would carry father away from my questions. While he was gone, I would turn my questions to mother. She taught me to sign at an early age so that she could speak to me by hand. But often we sat for hours in the sewing room, not speaking one way or another. We'd mend old clothes from seemingly bottomless wooden chests, or stitch patterns into cloth over our embroidery hoops, or sometimes she would have me snip a loose end after she rethreaded her lips. Our language in those hours was the tune we'd pass back and forth without a word. <laughs> we'd hum, and then smile to each other. We were quite alike, I thought. Both of us took readily to thread, needle, and shears. We enjoyed all that sewing and humming, and sometimes Mother taught me how to dance. Practice for the future, she would tell me. For when I would someday grow up, dance with men from town, and find myself a husband. When I asked how she could live without eating or drinking, she told me her sustenance came from the sun's warmth, my laughter, father's love, and the ocean's music. Our house sits on a cliff overlooking jagged rocks and a frothing sea, and often I'd find her staring out and listening to the waves. Do you want to leave us? I asked her one day. Mother shook her head and smiled a stitched-lipped smile. The water's rhythm gave her comfort, that was all. On nights when father was away on business, she stayed in a small attic room at the top of the house, storage for things from her old life, where a wide window looked out on the cliffs and infinite waves. That same ocean music helped her sleep, I supposed. I only asked her once why her lips were sealed. Her deliberate hands told me that when she was a girl, she had an ill sister. On the night that child aunt passed away, mother snuck into her bed, 
coaxed out her last words, and then ate her dreams. Mother's lips remained shut from then on, else her sister's dead wishes would surge screaming from freed jaws. Her tail scared me so badly that I never asked her again. Surely that was her intent. For a time, it even worked. But in adolescence, I learned about the world and what it does to us, of childbirth's horrors. For weeks, I had constant nightmares of mother drowning in agony, yet unable to shriek as she gave birth to me, a wailing baby who had stolen her screams. I began to wonder exactly how alike we were. I wondered if we sat and sewed and hummed together because someday I might trade mending cloth for threading my own lips. Practice for the future. I had to free her. If a dead child aunt came screaming from within, then I would scream with her. No matter the price, I had to open mother's lips. Perhaps then mine would stay unsealed. It was only a matter of time before father traveled on business again. He would only be gone for one night. That was my chance. I waited hours after dark for mother to drift up to her attic room. Her cot creaked and a long quiet followed until I was sure she was asleep. I was never more quiet than when I climbed those worn attic steps, shifting my weight so the wood wouldn't groan. The steel of my sewing shears felt cold against my sweating palm. The attic room was no stranger to me by daylight, but I'd never stepped inside at night. Moonlight shone through the sea-facing window and colored the walls in white lunar brilliance. I spotted a rusted flintlock pistol mounted on a wooden plaque. Behind panes of glass, I found ancient letters bearing royal insignias in strange languages, the paper worn by centuries. Mother looked to have plundered many shipwrecks. She had given up a life of some adventure to settle with father, and in return, he'd made her sew her lips shut. Moonlight draped her peaceful face. Her breath was soft, almost silent. One might think she was dead, but even in sleep, her familiar hum danced in my ears. We hummed together as I leaned the shears toward her lips. The blades opened, one wayward scrape, a snip too loud and she'd wake up. What would she do then? The blades snapped shut and one black thread split in two. Her ragged lips parted ever so slightly. I flinched to scuttle back and count myself lucky for getting away with this much, but I couldn't quit until finished. Shears forward, I snipped another thread, and then another. Mother's lips drift apart until at last I'd cut them free. Morning was too far away to wait on hearing her voice. I needed it right then. I cupped my free hand around her chin and tugged her jaw open. My shoulders tensed, but there was no sisterly scream. There was a song. Beautiful, sorrowful notes swam past my mother's lips and filled the night, soaked in longing and splendor more powerful than any hum, 
It was the kind of song that made me smile and cry all at once. I clasped my hands, no longer sweating, and sat beside the bed to listen. My eyelids grew heavy. This was an old lullaby I had needed as a baby, been denied for years, at last set free by my own hand. My drowsy reverie ended when the house shuddered. Thunder crashed through the walls as if a giant's fist had slammed into the cliff overlooking the sea. Mother went on sleeping and singing somehow, but I heard another sound sliding between beauty and chaos. I ran to the sea facing window. Moonlight painted the cliff top where figures of men darted past the house toward the cliff. I shut my eyes and covered my ears, but that did not shut out their screams as they plummeted to the sea. Thunder crashed again and the house quaked. Mother slept through it all, coaxed into dreams by her own lullaby. I didn't count how many men had flung themselves off the cliff by father's return the next morning. I never looked out that window again. He climbed into the attic carrying needle and thread, his ears stuffed with wax-coated cloth, as if on his way back someone had warned him what had happened to men who drew too close to home. He woke mother and helped clamp her jaw shut while she sewed her lips together once more. It had been her choice all along. He didn't speak to me. Neither did she. Boats soon went out on the water, rowed by townswomen who had come looking for brothers, sons, husbands, lovers. I watched from the cliff overlooking the sea, and I saw worse. There is neither port nor beach beneath our cliff, only jagged rocks and a sheer wall. Ships that had been sailing by moonlight would not have headed here, but when Mother's song filled the night, the sailors had steered our way, where merciless waters tore their hulls apart. The wreckage floated far out to sea, carried by the tide. I couldn't count the ships. Their pieces were too small. There were no survivors. Mother doesn't watch the sea anymore. She sits on the cliff still, listening to the water's rhythm, but she keeps her back turned to the waves and she no longer hums. Some days I think of how alike we are and I wonder what inherited song might rise up my throat unbidden. She's made a choice, but I don't think she understands it. She hasn't given up her old life voice and songs so that she can live with father and me. We're already hers. She's given up these things so that she can have what she wants, but not drive anyone to drown for it. And then I think we might not be so alike after all. Nowadays, I'm the one who watches the sea. I scan the rocks for drowning men and driftwood draped by shipwrecked corpses so that I'll get used to seeing them. Practice for the future, you might say. I practice many things for the future. 
but I don't sew any more. If you enjoyed this work of fiction, please show your love by leaving a review. Never miss another story or poem by visiting loveletterstopoe.com forward slash join. And if you want the party to continue, I invite you to Prince Prospero's Masquerade over at patreon.com forward slash loveletterstopoe. Until next time, embrace what lurks in the shadows. You never know what gothic adventure lay within.